Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, the Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, the Woman's Way podcast. I am here with Judy Hoberman. Did I say that right? You said it right. It's perfect. I so messed that up. I, I mean, I mess up names so often. I, I probably should have asked, but there we go. Nailed it on the first time. Okay. So Judy, I'm, I'm so impressed with this woman and I'm so excited to bring her to you because not only is this woman an author of incredible books like Selling in a Skirt and Walking on the Glass Floor, she's also been in the industry, life and health insurance industry, and had three agencies for two decades two decades. So when it comes to experience in the in the financial and insurance industry, this woman's got it. Um, not to mention her other success with a TED Talk, um, success as um, been, been uh, the woman to watch, been, been named the woman to watch uh, from what was that? Thrive Global. Thrive yeah. Global. So yeah. lots of awards. I mean, this, this is like too much to read. I can't, I'm not good at reading as I've seen <laughs> before. So tell me, tell me a little bit about your background and um, let's go with that. Cause I'd love to hear more about what your success has been like in your journey, as you said, one, the only woman, even in your agencies. Yeah. So thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Um, my story really is that as the only female, I had to come up with my own playbook in any of the industries that I was in. And when I landed in financial services, which was home for me, who would ever thought ever thought that, you know, exciting and home would be the same thing that you put next to financial services. <laughs> but it was, I felt like I, I belonged there. And even though I was told I was such a girl and I took too long and everybody was my friend and I asked too many questions, I knew what I was doing. I was building relationships with my clients. My people stayed on the books forever. Um, as I started getting more successful, I started training people to do things a little bit differently. And you know, pretty soon people were saying, well, how'd you do that? Why'd you ask this question? So on and so forth. So I did end up with three agencies. I was offered a position in corporate and it was the first time I was ever corporate because everything else was 100% commission, which is really where I like to be. Um, but I did that for a couple of years and I realized that wasn't where I needed to be. And so I left in the height of our wonderful recession back in 2009 and started my company selling in a skirt. And the reason I started it was because if I was going to begin something all over again, what would I have looked for? And I would have looked for me, not me necessarily, but somebody that would be able to say, okay, you're going to hit a road bump. So here you go and walk around it this way, or here's your journey, whatever you need to do, do it this way. And so I became that person. And, um, I, you know, I started speaking and coaching and training and here I am. And here you are. And here you are. So what would you say are the, the core takeaways? Cause I mean, I, everyone should read your books, of course, but if you're anything like me, I have two little kids at home and like find, finding time to, to do that is always difficult. Plus they're here now. So what are right. some core, core takeaways that you would say for women in the industry that really helped you and has helped other women as well? 
The first thing I, I always tell people is you, you need to have a mentor. Absolutely, positively. If, the, if you work for a big company and they don't have a formalized mentoring program, find a mentor. If they do have one, find a mentor. If you work for yourself, find a mentor. And the reason I keep saying that is because how do you know what's out there or what's available or what could be available to you if you don't have somebody that's going to be in your corner? And so whether it's an advocate or whether it's a sponsor, whatever terminology you need to use, you need to find somebody that is going to have your back. And, you know, it's very difficult when you're doing these things by yourself. And especially if you're coming into an industry that is normally male dominated, how do you even know where to begin? And so I always say that find a mentor first. That's the first thing you need to do. And just, you know, you can have conversations with them that you may not be able to have with somebody else. Or, you know, the, I think the hardest thing that people say to me is how do you find one? And I, the way I've always found one is I would find something interesting or something that I aspire to in someone. And I would say, you know, Robin, you really know how to cultivate relationships. Could you show me how to do it? That's how you ask. It's not, would you be my mentor? You don't ask it like that because people don't have time to be a mentor, but they will share their advice with you or their expertise with you. And from there, that's where the relationship is built. And there's your mentor. Do you distinguish, uh, do, you, do you make a distinction between like a mentor and a coach? Because some, I actually talk about a mentor in one of my books and I talk about how I, I have this the, like a mentor test. Like one, you want to make sure that they've gotten the result that you want. Kind of mm -hmm. like you said, like you would give them that compliment, but it's like you want to learn something they're already good at. And then the second thing is you want to make sure that they've gotten other people that result because some people are really good at getting it themselves, but they're not good at teaching it. Exactly. Um, but then what, then what's the difference between a mentor? Cause some people have mentors, like you said, through their work already through their um, business already. And it's like, they've already kind of been there, but they don't necessarily know how to coach. Is there a distinction there that you make between like mentor and coach or, or what they need to know that this is going to get them to the next level? So I think a mentor is more like what you're saying. They're in the business with you or in another business, and they're just giving you the most valuable asset that they have, which is their time. A coach, on the other hand, is giving you time, but you're also paying for their expertise. And it's not that you're paying by the hour or anything. You're paying for their expertise. You're paying for somebody to show you the way. And, you know, I do believe that everybody should have a coach. You know, elite athletes have coaches. I always have at least two coaches, male, female, because I need two different perspectives. And I always have mentors. So it's just a different feeling. A mentor is, is somebody that will... Definitely have your back, but also will give you a kick in the pants when you need it. A coach will do that, but it's different. It's just a different relationship. So I, I, I treat them differently and I have coaches for different things. So when I first started my business, I had to have a coach that was going to teach me how to start a business, or I needed to have somebody that was going to teach me about marketing. And I needed to have the, that kind of a coach. Well, once I got the hang of doing this, well, now I needed a coach to help me do that. So I always, you know, change what I do, but I'm, I'm with my coaches for a long time. You know, they always yeah, say you're, you're, you're good. And I'm like, I mean, you, yeah, you not yet. You look at any successful person and of course they have coaches, not even one coach, Correct. but they're all like specialized in one thing. So I think some people will say to me, oh, you know, well, Robin, they might get on a call with me or something. I haven't done them in a long time, but when I got on these one-on-one -on -one calls, they would say, oh, here's my challenge and here, here's, here's what I want. And then they, at the end, they're like, oh, but I, but I already have a coach. And I'm like, well, are you, you told me you have this challenge and you're not getting what you want. So clearly you need something to get you there. Right. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying fire your coach, but if they're good at one thing, like accountability and making sure you do things that you're saying you're going to do or mindset or right. something like that, 
but you don't have the strategies, you don't know exactly what to do, then maybe there's another coach for you there. Like for me, like you said, I don't have one coach. I have a business coach. I have, I mean, I, I'm in a mastermind with coaches. Correct. I have a Facebook coach. I have a LinkedIn, like everything I'm doing, I want to do the best. I want to be the best at it, but I'm not the best at it. So I need to find the best to help me with those things. So I, I, I think that's yeah. huge. But sometimes people don't even know what they need in the coach. Like people will hire me to be their sales coach. Mm -hmm. It has never and will never be about sales. Sales is a process that we teach in courses, but a sales coach is different because when I do become the sales coach, um, it's about all the things leading up to the sale. It has nothing to do with the sale. It's the mindset, it's the confidence, it's the motivation, it's you know the process or whatever it is. And then when you fix that, your sales go up and then they say, oh my God, you're the best sales coach ever. Right. So I love that. Okay, cool. So number one, get a mentor. It sounds like two is get a coach. Yeah. Um, what, what other core principles do you got in there? So one of the things you have to remember is that when you're in financial services, you have a market that you're serving. Who's your market? You got to know your market. You cannot be everything to everyone. It doesn't work like that. You, and you know, and a lot of people say to me, well, and I don't want to, you know, make, I don't want to make such a small niche because then I'm missing everything else. I never say when you choose your market, eliminate everybody else. I'm saying be the resource in that market. And if somebody says to you, oh, I also need insurance, you can sell to them. It's not like you right, can't, right. but you need to know your market. Absolutely, you need to know your market and you need to be able to identify it and name them. If you need to name them, mine is Jennifer. It, it's just, it, mm -hmm. I don't know, I have no idea why I named her Jennifer, but I know Jennifer when she walks towards me. I just know her because I'm very clear about who my market is. Absolutely. That's a huge, huge thing that I teach as well. I call it clone your client. So yeah. it's like when you think of someone you already have that you love, whether it's, I like to think of a real person and then it could end up being an avatar like Jennifer or something like that, but then clone that person. Right. And that actually leads you to being able to have messaging that attracts that person. I remember I did a seminar once and this woman after she's like, okay, I get it. So I'm going to target women, you know, and I always like to say target marketing versus niche, because I feel like people are yeah. so scared. Like I don't want to niche, right? Which you should, I don't know, should or shouldn't, but like I get that because I'm very niched as well as target marketing. But the effort, the energy that you put forth towards towards actual marketing is targeted as opposed to targeted towards everyone, right? But this woman at the seminar that I was running, she basically said, okay, I know this is my client. And she was very, very clear. And then I, I asked her, I don't know how it came up, but she must've said something. And she's like, so if a man comes to me and he wants my help, so I can't work with him. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm saying. The beauty of target marketing is that you actually attract the person to you. And because it immediately gives you credibility and you become specialized, you're going to attract people outside of that target market. And right. the guy's going to come up to you and say, can you help me? And you don't have to say no. I mean, I, I would probably say no, because I don't like working with dudes. I mean, I like them, but like I just work <laughs> with women. But, you know, most people are going to say, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'd love to help you. Of course I can help you just because you're, even if you're not a woman, but it's the specialization, it's the, the perceived expertise of it as well. And right. well, when you actually plant your flag and say, this is who I'm best at working with. But you, you become the resource there, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a resource for others. And, you know, it, it's interesting because we used to do um, a lot in the senior market, a lot. And so when it was open enrollment, you know, you were there, but before that you would do, um, educational seminars and inevitably you would have a packed room and the the weird thing that would happen is it wasn't really always about the senior market because they would say 
you know, I know that my kids are not seniors, but can you help them? Or I just had, you know, new grandbabies. Can you help me write policies for that? So it, it happens and you just have to be open to it. It doesn't mean eliminate the entire rest of the population. It just means be that person that you're the go-to person. If you're the go-to person for women in sports, then you're the go-to person. You should know everything about them. You know, what makes them, what drives them and what, what do they like? What don't they like? What are deal makers, deal breakers? doesn't mean that you can't help a man in sports too. Right. I love that. I love that. We are totally aligned. Jean. I know. I'm liking this. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, any other, other big ones? Give me one more if you got one. I'm sure you got 10. Uh, oh, I've got tons of them. I would say you have to be very focused in your business. You have to know what is happening in your business. You really need to know this. And, and I'm a big calendar person. And so when I started, we didn't have computers. Okay. I just, let's just go there. We didn't have computers and you didn't have, you couldn't Google anything because you didn't have a computer. Um, we didn't have GPS either. So just know that, but we had, I did. And, and survived, I, I, I really, we made it. Can you imagine? And even when we did get, you know, MapQuest, it was always wrong anyway, but I remember, and I still to this day recommend this all the time. I always say, take your tech part of your brain and move it over there for a minute. And I always tell people get a blotter size calendar because it's visual get different color markers you could do color blocking but get things on your calendar and be very focused what you can and can't do and be aware that there's a training on monday every monday in your office that you need to be at or virtually and that goes on your calendar and you can see when you can and can't work but you can also see when you're most the best times for you to have appointments with your clients because everything is there but you also have to remember that one of the things you have to focus on is building a business. So where is marketing? Where, where you know, like, oh, it's just going to happen? No, it's got to be on your calendar. So I'm very strict with my calendar to this day. And people that started with me decades ago, they still use the calendar because it's visual. And not only do you see it, but people in your family see it and they know what your, what your day is like. It's not like you're sitting there eating bonbons all day because you can, because you are, you know, you work for yourself, you work from home. No, it's you're very scheduled. And it doesn't mean that you can't ever be flexible. When I need a time for myself, I just block off a day and I call it presentation day. And it means that I'm doing other things. So don't expect a call back right away. I have put my autoresponders on and it just gives me some breathing room to catch up and do what I need to do. That's awesome. I, I always talk about having at least one hour of money-making activities. It's non-negotiable because you know, yeah. it's so obvious when the money-making activities stop, so does the money-making, but the sure. marketing, like you said, it's so huge. It's so important. And, and there's always something to do. I had one client say to me, you know, I'm working 12 hours a day, seven days a week. How can I fit in the money-making activities? And I said, well, are you ever done? She's like, no. I said, so why don't you do 11 hours a day, seven days a week? Yeah. You got an hour of money making activities because otherwise you're not making money. So you have to fit those chunks in. I, I was thinking about, I was looking over here because I have a calendar that I actually am bad about. Yes. Yeah. Mostly my son has, has drawn on it and had fun with it. Um, but I do use my calendar on my computer and I'm, and I am a slave to it as much as I don't always, when I chunk out time, do exactly what I say I'm going to do. If I have an appointment, like that's the easiest way. Like, you know, sometimes I have an appointment with someone like you, a podcast, sometimes it's an appointment with myself, but it's, it, it's non-negotiable. It's on the calendar. That's right. Um, that's right. And that's, you know, that's, that's how to get stuff done. Cool. So let's go to some, I'm, I'm curious about some specific experiences with you as a woman, because especially I want to help women be more successful so they stay in the industry. Mm -hmm. And at, tell us 
some stories, um, some examples <laughs> where you had, I don't know, tough times being the only woman or when you can remember, you know, those times where you're the only woman in the room or you're leading a company and running agencies and like just any experiences or, or challenges you had, obviously had many, but that you can remember that we can relate to and that you, that you got some learnings from. You know, there's so many different things you can talk about. When I was in the corporate side, I was the only female at my level. And so when they did their first conference call, conference meeting, you know, um, around the big conference table, I was sitting at the table. And I remember all the women that were either, you know, in an administrative position or lower positions, they were sitting around the perimeter of the room. And I remember one of them tapping me on the shoulder and said, you shouldn't be at the table. You should be sitting back here. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I supposed to be here. But I remember feeling at that moment that maybe I shouldn't have been sitting there because maybe I didn't belong there yet. I mean, I was new to corporate. And I remember taking my pad and every time somebody would speak, I would write down their name and what time it was. Because I wanted to see how many people just spoke for the sake of speaking or how many people actually had something great to say. And I remember saying to myself, I'm not going to walk out of this meeting and say, ooh, I should have said that. So I know by this time, by 30 minutes into the meeting, I should have something to say. And so I would time myself. I would make play these mind games. If I don't have anything to say by 30 minutes, then I probably shouldn't be sitting at this table. And the very first time I, I said something, everybody went silent. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, crap, what did I just do? You know, it was like career suicide here. And so... They, they stopped and one of the guys said, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> and that's how it kind of broke the ice because they realized that I had something important to say and I wasn't afraid to say it. And I saw the women like, like their shoulders went down and they're like, oh, okay, she's got something to say. So, I mean, that, that was something that I always remembered, not that it was a bad thing or a good thing, but there's so many stories like when you're on the road and, you know, you, you go to places and I remember... My job was to sell an appointment on the phone, not sell on the phone. And so I, I would walk into things that you have no idea. You know, you'd walk in and somebody would be on an oxygen tank and you know you couldn't sell them. But I always felt I'm going to treat each person as if. And I always had, you know, somebody traveling with me because I did all the field training. So there were always men. It was always men because I was the only female. And we'd walk into places and you'd hear them like, oh, 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 you know, grumbling. And I'd say, just, you know, hang on. And so I would act as if the person was already my client, even though she had an oxygen mask on. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, I couldn't sell to her. But I knew that I had other resources that I could drive her towards. Anyway, so we would finish the whole appointment and she would, you know, thank me. And this is a true story. She thanked me. And I said, you know, I, I want to refer you to so-and-so because he takes care of the, you know, the, the guaranteed issue plans. And so she thanked me. And then what did she do? She gave me a ton of referrals because I took the time to spend with her. And so, you know, there's things like that. Those are the good things that you remember. Remember why you do the things that you do. And um, I have to say that when I came into the industry, I didn't know anything about it. And I wanted to quit a hundred times a day, every day, a hundred times a day. Cause I just didn't, I couldn't get my head wrapped around it. There was nobody there to say to me, you're feeling that, you know, we all felt that way. You know, nobody would tell you, none of the guys would tell you that I wanted to quit. Too. None of them would tell you that. So here I am like, 
you know, having these anxiety attacks because, and not real ones, but just in my head that I just couldn't do this. I'm never going to make it because I heard all the comments they would say behind my back, like she's never going to make it, but we could say we had one, you know, like those kind of things. And so I remember I was a single mom and I remember looking at my kids one morning and saying, you know, I have the best kids ever. They're just so amazing. And the light bulb went on, like the ones with the neon lights that flash at you. And I remember thinking, my only job in this entire world is to protect my children. So if I could protect my family, why can't I protect someone else's? Mm -hmm. And when I got in the car that, that morning and I took my kids to school, I remember taking the rearview mirror, looking at myself going, you have the privilege of protecting someone today, as opposed to, oh, I hate what I'm doing. And when I got there, it was a whole different feeling. And my entire business changed that day. My entire business, because I just flipped my own mindset. Nobody could flip it for me because nobody even gave me that thought process. So I remember, I mean, there's things like that that I remember. The other stuff is like a conversation for another day between us. <laughs> but, but those kind of things are the things that women have to remember, that remember the why, remember why you even chose this career. Yeah, uh, that is so huge. There's so many things there that are really interesting to me. Um, I have uh, three kids, but two little ones. And... I don't know how you, you, any women like single moms can do it. I really don't. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really good at what I do in my career and my, my, my <laughs> business and all that. And I'm really proud of it. And I, I feel like I'm a great mom. I love my kids, but holy cow, man, when I'm with those kids for both kids, you know, there's two and a half year old and, and a six month year old. And I'm just like, one of them's crying and the other one's crying. I'm like, how do, how do these women do it? Because there's so many women who are running a business and yeah. also taking care of the kids. And now there's all, all this, you know, distance learning and all these things. There's just so much on, on women, especially on our plate. And my husband's amazing. He does great, but it's typically assumed and not that he will ever say that, but that <laughs> like, I'm going to do like, you know, work. It's like my nanny leaves and, and. My husband's still working until he's done working, you know, and unless I say, honey, I got to work. Can you take the kids? I'm going to take the kids until he's done. Right. So it's like those things are kind of typically yeah. just put on us. And then as for single, single mothers, I, I mean, I, I'm so impressed. Like, I don't even know how you, you got through that. You, you just have to be organized, like so organized that it's obnoxiously organized. Like I would never go to sleep at night until everything was ready for the next day because I didn't have time in the morning to, you know, put this stuff in the dryer or whatever, any of that, that kind of stuff. I had to do that the night before I had everything organized for business. So I knew exactly what my day was like and what I was going to need. I knew exactly what they had to do. And my kids were seven and 14 at the time. So I knew exactly what their day was going to be like. So if there was a sports or whatever, I had to have that all, all organized, but I also included my kids in my business. And so yours are a little bit too little right now, but I did include them. So Saturday nights, I mean, it was really exciting. Saturday nights, we would sit on my bed and we would do direct mail pieces. And so one would have the label and one would have the stamp and one would have, you know, and then I would have this and whatever. And we would do like a, it was like an assembly line. So they knew what they were doing was helping me build my business. And so I would pay them with a company check, which neither one of them ever cashed, but they were like, oh my God, we're part of business. And so they thought it was like the coolest thing ever. So I made them part of the business. I would bring them into like when I was when I was promoted, I would bring them in with me and they would see the people that they heard about and and they would, you know, talk to them. And I always made it a point that when we did training every single month, I would pick one person that would be my project. Okay, I, I was good to everybody, but there's always be my project. And so I told one of the guys that you're my project this month. And he said to my son, he said, I'm your mom's project. And my son looked at him and said, 
Um, that's exactly where you want to be, <laughs> you know, but the best one ever was on Saturdays, I would have my pad. I always had a pink pad. And if you were on my pink pad, it would get done. But on Saturdays, everybody had to call in with the number of appointments and the business they wrote and blah, 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 blah. So one Saturday I had an appointment and um, my son picked up the phone. Back then our cell phones were analog, not digital. So nobody really wanted to use their cell phones because it was so expensive. My cell phone bills were $2,000 a month mm -hmm. and nobody had my cell phone. So it was just me using it all the time. So Bell Atlantic, which is now Verizon, would I would walk in and they would bow to me like whatever you need but anyway so my son picks up the phone and it's one of my agents and he says he was the 14 year old no he was seven a seven year old, seven oh year old. yes this is good context yeah 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 so he said um oh well, i'll just wait till your mom gets home he said no no i've got her pad i've got her pad and he takes the pad and he goes okay i'm ready and so the guy said okay this is so and so and here's my numbers and blah 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 and my son said you're calling that into my mom did you work this week <laughs> Guy said to me, I am never calling your house again, ever. Oh my God, that is so awesome. My my two and a half year old, he, I, I tell him I'm going to work I'm, and he doesn't want me to go, of course. And he's like, I, I tell him, no, mommy's going to help people. I'm, I'm going to go because I don't want to say I have to go to work. You know, I'm, I'm going to help people. And he always yep. says, I want to help people too. Like he would love to do all that stuff. He would mess it all up, of course. It doesn't matter. Love to do all that stuff. You know, mommy's phone. I'm sure he would love to do that. And then he would hang up on my clients probably. <laughs> Um, that's great. I want to, I want to point out one more thing you said, and then we'll, we'll tell them how to find you. Um, just one last thing you, you mentioned just about how you had this realization that it really was like you helping, basically helping other people. And I yeah. think of it as an obligation, right? I think of really, this is why my book make more money, help more people. It's like, when you make more money, you're helping more people for Absolutely. you to actually succeed in business. It's not a luxury. It's actually a necessity. It's an obligation. The people, they need your help. And just like you said, you know, there's someone out there that needs your help. And when you had that realization, everything changed. I think as women, especially, we're so uh, judged, like so often judging ourselves. Yeah. We're worried about what people think, worried about what people are thinking or, or thinking about us and what, the, you know, how, how they're going to judge us. If we just thought about how we can help them and forgot the judgment for a moment, we'd be able to serve and not only serve at a higher level, but also grow our businesses. So I think that's just a huge thing. I didn't want that to get missed because that's everything. Like that was a really crucial point in your career, like turning point in your business yeah. for them to recognize like, yeah, let's put others before us, not worry about that judgment. And then the rest just falls into place. It doesn't mean you don't have to do things. It doesn't mean you do it all on no. your own. It doesn't mean that all those, you know, the, the strategies aren't important. Everything matters. But mindset, like you can't do anything if you don't have the right mindset. So Absolutely. knowing that we're here to serve is huge. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. We can talk for hours, but yeah. we're going to keep them hanging because um, <laughs> you know, everyone's got a big day. So um, where can they find you and tell them you know, what to do or, or what to do next so they can get more of your amazing stuff? Okay. So I am all over social media. You can either find me at Judy Hoberman or Selling in a Skirt. It's one or the other. LinkedIn, I'm Judy Hoberman. Um, I do have a Selling in a Skirt page, but really everything's under Judy Hoberman. But you can find me anywhere on social media. Once you connect with me, you'll notice that I, I, um, I'm very consistent. I post every day before 7 a.m. Central. So you'll always see my stuff in the morning. Um, but you can email me at Judy at Selling in a Skirt. My website is Selling in a Skirt. You can, I mean, really, I try to make it as easy as possible. And most people will remember Selling in a Skirt more than Judy Hoberman. So I'm going to remember both because you're so okay, good. But it's, I'm so happy. Selling in a Skirt, that's good. That's really great. I love that. Well, yeah. thank you so much. This has thank been you. amazing. I appreciate you. And I know the listeners do as well. Thank so, you. And thank you all for listening and joining us on this awesome, awesome podcast. We'll see you next time. 
Hey, it's Robin Crane here. And if your big goal is to increase your revenue this year and grow your business, then make sure to attend our next event coming up soon. Go to femalefinancialadvisors.com to learn more about how you can explode your financial business and get more qualified prospects, convert more ideal clients and create your ideal business so you can have your ideal life. Can't wait to see you at the next event. Again, go to femalefinancialadvisors.com to claim your seat so you don't miss out. I'll see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.